Okay, so Exodus 17, um, this is the part in the story of Israel where uh, they used to be slaves in Egypt. Um, Now they're not because they have been liberated by God through uh, a series of extraordinary events. (laughs) And now they're in the wilderness, uh, sort of in the desert, and they're wandering. And uh, this is one of the events that happens, okay? So... The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for them to drink. So what did they do? Well, they quarreled with Moses and said, you got to give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, walk on ahead of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the place Massah and Meribah, because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? We'll go that far. Oh, fascinating, (laughs) isn't it? I mean, we've all been in that place where we're like, oh my goodness, it just feels like we're wandering through life. It feels like we don't know exactly where it is we're going. It feels like, oh, is God with me or not? Have we asked that question? Is God with me or not? Is God with us or not? Uh, Such a good story. So here's the deal. The world ain't what it used to be. Like things are changing really, really quickly. Like we live in a fluid culture that seems to be changing faster than we've ever thought before. If life is a journey, uh, then it feels to me at least more like a, a wandering swim in the vast ocean with no sight of land and we have no idea which direction to go. It feels more like that than like a, than like a nice paced journey on a well-paved road going somewhere where we exactly know where we're going. The world ain't what it used to be. It's changing so quickly. I was reminded of this just yesterday when I was making a purchase with my debit card And my son Caleb was with me, and he's like, Dad, why are the numbers raised like that on your card? And I was like, that's a good question. Why are the numbers raised like that? And it took me, and then I remembered, oh yeah, way back when, they had to put the card on this little machine and there were papers on there, and they did the thing where they go, and it made three copies of the thing, and you got one, the merchant got one, and they sent the other one, and like two weeks later, they would get payment for, remember those things? So that's like a relic from way back when, and it's still like that. It's like, oh my goodness, things are changing so quickly. Did you know, according to one website, there's There are 380 new websites that pop up on the interwebs 
every single minute. 380 new websites. 15 years ago, the number was 30 new websites per minute. Now it's 380 new websites per minute. So if I've got my math right, that means by the time we're done with me doing what I do up here, there will be 9,000, approximately, 9,500 new websites for us to go look at when we go home. Isn't that amazing? Have you ever heard of Moore's Law? Moore's Law. You computer people will know what Moore's Law is, when, right? And in fact, it's changed a little bit, and I probably have this totally wrong. But as I understand it, uh, computer processing speeds double every two years. And now they say it's more like two and a half years. And by the way, this law, they say, is going to be done by 2025. So, so much for that law. It's not even very accurate. Or Anyway, so computer speeds will double every two years, maybe two and a half years, and the price of computers will be cut in half in that same period of time. So here's the deal. That computer that you just bought or you're thinking about buying, in a matter of months, it will be cheap and out of date. Just like that. Right? Things are changing so quickly. It seems to me like you can buy a new iteration of iPhone every other month. They're like, you can buy the new iPhone. You can buy the new... I'm like, I just bought this new one. And now I can get a new one. Same with any other smartphone. Like, they just keep coming out with the... the we could talk about this for ages. There are all kinds of things that are just changing so quickly and so fast. We live in a culture that is more fluid than it ever has been before. It's hard for any of us to imagine the world our parents grew up in. And it's even harder for us to figure out how do we help parent our kids in this world that's super fluid and we can totally not imagine the world they're going to live in after we're gone. Things ain't what they used to be. They're changing really, really quickly. Things are different now. So here's the deal. I think that the experience Israel was having in the wilderness, while profoundly different, is in some ways analogous to what we're experiencing right now. I'm guessing as they wandered through the wilderness, they sort of felt like they were swimming in an ocean where they didn't know where they were going. It certainly didn't feel for them like they were on this well-worn path, a well-paved road, and they knew exactly where it is they were going, right? Things were fluid. Things were different for them. Here's how the story goes. In verse 1, the whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place, wandering as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So life was now different for the nation of Israel. Like things weren't the way they used to be. If you'll remember, they used to be slaves in Egypt. Life was horrible, but relatively predictable. Right? They were used to waking up in the morning. They were given food to eat, whatever slop it was that the Egyptian slave drivers were giving them or whatever it was they gave them to drink. Then they would work all day, probably on heavy construction. Some of them would be working out in the fields, but every day was the same. They, it was really predictable. They knew what to expect. There were very few surprises. But now, now things are totally different because they were free. They've been liberated. God liberated them. God sent those plagues that, let, that made Pharaoh let the people go. God used the pillars of cloud and pillars of fire that led them by day and led them by night. God had used Moses to, to sort of part the Red Sea so that they could escape the grip of, of Egyptian army. God liberated them. 
So they were now free, free from Egyptian oppression, free from predictability, free from the everyday dehumanizing humdrum life of a slave. Life was different. Things weren't the way they used to be. And at this point, they were a people in transition. They were traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. Life was now a whole lot more fluid than it used to be, a whole lot more unpredictable. And then it happened. Well, getting used to this fluid lifestyle, this new kind of reality, this place of being in transition, it happened. They came upon a crisis. They came upon something for which they did not prepare. They weren't prepared for this. The people had no water to drink. There was no water. So you got thousands upon thousands of people with no water to drink. Talk about a crisis. You can only last a few days in the wilderness, wandering around with no water. What were they going to do? So here's a story for you that might have been helpful to them had they heard it back then. But even if they had heard it, it would have been like, what are you talking about? So here's the deal. I don't remember where I got this story. So I apologize for this. I can't give credit where credit is due. So if I remember, I just wrote it down and kept it in a file. And now I'd like, I didn't record where I got this. If I figure it out, I'll let you know in the next couple of weeks. Otherwise, I'm really sorry. I don't like doing this, but I'm going to do it. So sorry to whoever wrote this story. So the story goes like this. It happened in 1906 at the West of England Fat Stock and Poultry Exhibition. (laughs) So that a British scientist became interested in a weight judging or a weight guessing competition. So the challenge was for people at the West of England Fat Stock and Poultry Exhibition uh, to guess the weight of a slaughtered ox. You've seen things like this right? And as you can imagine, it was difficult. It would be like going to the state fair and you get the big boar and they don't have the weight there. You had to guess how much the big boar weighed. So that's the kind of thing that we're talking about. Well, this, this scientist thought to himself, I've got an idea. I wonder, since it's so difficult for any individual to guess the weight of a slaughtered ox, I wonder how the community did at whole, as a whole. So he thought maybe the community together would be better at this. So he took the 800 or so guesses of each of the people who were there, and he added them together, and he divided it by the number of guesses. Are you with me? So they came out with the collective guess of 1,198 pounds for this slaughtered ox sitting there. You want to know what the ox actually weighed? No? Okay, I won't tell you then. 1,197 they were off by one pound, one pound. I thought about, and actually I did this years and years ago at another place. I actually thought about bringing a jar of jelly beans and having us all do this together. And like, I knew how much was in there and I would take the guesses and, but I didn't have time. So anyway, that would have been a fun experiment. So there they were stuck in the desert, no water. What were they going to do? They came upon a crisis what were they going to do? How did they react? They just straight up panicked. They straight up panicked. They complained to Moses, you got to give us water to drink. Give us water to drink. So here's my question. Why are they asking Moses? They immediately go to Moses and they blame him. Why did you take us out of Egypt for us to, for us to, 
We're going to die of thirst. Even our livestock. Why did you do Immediately they go there. They're, why are they asking Moses? There's thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people wandering around in the desert. You would think that out of thousands upon thousands of people, at least maybe 50 of them would have come to Moses and been like, hey, we're, we're going to go on an expedition like the 50 of us, we'll send 10 that way, 10 that way, 10 that way, and 10 that way. We're going to go search for water. We'll come back hopefully in less than a day, and we'll let you know what we found. Nobody did that. Like you would think that one person out of thousands upon thousands would have said, hey, Moses, let's dig a well. Because they had the cosmology where the earth was flat and there was a dome and the dome separated the waters from the sky and every once in a while the waters would be let loose and it would rain. But underneath the earth, there was also water under there. So they should have thought to themselves, if we just dig far enough, we'll have a well and we'll have water. Not one of them suggested that. Nobody suggested, hey, let's collect the dew in the morning. Maybe we'll have enough to drink that way. You would think that one of them would have thought to themselves, you know what? God did some pretty cool things getting us out of Egypt. Remember that whole Red Sea thing? Why don't we at least at bare minimum just pray about it? Nobody said that. They just grumbled. They got angry. They said, Moses, you gotta give us some water to drink. But they didn't because they were still stuck back here in Egypt, mentally. They had a slave mentality where everything was provided for them. They wanted to go back to slavery where they worked under horrible conditions and were always told what to do, how to do it, when to do it. They were given the food. They weren't able to use their collective intelligence to figure out new ways to find water, store water, and dispense water, and take it with them as they traveled along in the wilderness as the Lord commanded them to do. So they didn't like this new fluid place they were at, this unpredictability, and so they complained about it. They got mad about it. Here's the deal. We find ourselves in a culture that's just changing all the time, all the time. And if we as a community are going to deliver this transformational gift that is Jesus to our neighborhood, to the neighborhoods in which we live, to one another, we're going to have to find new ways to store water, carry water, dispense water in this fluid, changing faster than we ever imagined it ever could culture. We're going to have to find new ways to tell the same story, to do some of the same things. And so we as a community, I believe, and I think this is worldwide, especially in this culture, we gotta think about, we gotta be dreaming about things. We've gotta be thinking about this. We've gotta be innovative. We've gotta dream about these things. We've got to see visions. The prophet Joel said this, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, on both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. So here's my question for you. Are you dreaming? Are you dreaming any dreams? Are you you seeing any visions? And we've committed, now we're starting a new prayer team for us to pray about the future of this church, what's happening in us and through us. 
Right? At least we're, we've taken the bare minimum step of committing to that. But are you dreaming any dreams for this community? Are you seeing any visions? We'll come back to that because there's more to the story. There's more we need as we travel from place to place in this fluid culture. So after the people do a little bit of grumbling, a little bit of complaining that they were better off in Egypt, Moses cries out to God for help. He's like, people are going to kill me, God. What are we going to do? So the Lord answers Moses. I love this. Walk ahead of the people. Take with you some other leaders, some of the elders. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. God says, take your staff, go, take some elders. I'll stand before you by the rock of Horeb, strike the rock, water will come out. And the narrative just goes, so Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. He just went. He just did it. He didn't ask any questions. Moses was wandering just like anybody else. He was not that unlike any of the other people wandering around in the wilderness. He was from the people. He was part of the people. He was wandering just like everyone else. The only difference was this. He believed. He had faith. He had what we might consider to be wandering faith. He wandered over to the rock. He hit it with the staff, resting only on the promise of God resting only on the idea that God would do what God said God would do. So he had wandering faith, believing while you're wandering, believing that God will do what God says God will do, even if all the evidence around you is like, what? Everything's changing. We don't know what to do. So Moses did this because he had wandering faith. So here's the deal. Last December, we had an all-church meeting and if you were here, you remember about it. You remember it. We talked about how uh, we're sort of in this place where we need something to happen. And we use this metaphor of how it's like the fourth quarter of a football game. And some people, some coaches usually wait way too long before they decide not to punt anymore and just go for it on fourth down. Like they should start doing that way sooner. So we decided we're way sooner in the fourth corner. We may be behind, but that's okay. We're going to start taking some risks around here. We're going to start not punting. We're going to go for it, right? Are you with me? You remember this discussion that we had? So here's the deal. The focus team over the last couple of months, so the elders of Renew Community have sort of gone ahead of the rest of us. And we've begun thinking about this. We've, been dis we've begun having discussions. We've begun dreaming together, thinking together, having visions together. And some of these things are, are big. We're trying our best to display wandering faith. What does it look like? around what does God want to do? And some of these things are a little bit big, and hopefully in the next month or two, we'll be able to tell you what we're thinking. Uh, but they've got to be big things, because if we, if we dream up things, and there are things that we can just accomplish, then they're not big enough for God to show up and do something. So they've got to be big enough, weird enough, odd enough for God to have to show up if the thing is going to happen. So over the last couple of month, months, the focus team, we've been thinking about these things. We've been dreaming. They've been displaying wandering faith, and it's been actually kind of fun. 
But here's the deal. I want to know what you think. Like, and I think the focus team would agree. I didn't tell them ahead of time that I was going to do this. <laughs> so, surprise. I want to know what you think. I want to know what, where you are. I want to know what your dreams are for this community. I want you to dream dreams. I want you to see visions. And because I believe that you have wandering faith. I believe that you have wandering faith, and I'm about to prove it to you, okay? Don't open your Bibles if you have them. Um, I'm going to ask you a question. Did water come out of that rock? What do you think? Do you believe water came out of that rock? How many of you? Go ahead, raise your hand. If you don't believe water came out of that rock, that's cool. But some of you, most of you believe that water came out of that rock, right? Here's the deal. The story never tells us whether or not water came out of that rock. <laughs> Doesn't say it. All it says is, hey, Moses, go strike the rock and water will come out. And so Moses did the thing in the sight of Israel. And what it doesn't say is, and voila, water came out of the rock. It doesn't say that. The writer doesn't tell us. Look, these aren't just ancient, weird narratives. These are very sophisticated things. And so this writer right here wants us to feel what it feels like to have wandering faith. So the writer doesn't tell us whether or not water came out of the rock. He wants us to feel what it feels like to have wandering faith. He wants, us, he wants us to be in the position to just trust that the word of God, that the promises of God, and that the presence of God is enough. So he doesn't give us proof. And you just said, I believe water came out of that rock. Even though it doesn't say it in there. There's that little part of yourself that acknowledges, that recognizes that, oh my goodness, if God says it, if God promises it, that the word of God is actually true. So you've got that wandering faith. You've just showed it to everyone. So now here's your assignment. I want you to, if, if you're thinking about this in terms of your own life and where you're at, if you're feeling like you're wandering through life and you don't know where to go and you don't know which way to turn, I want you to, I want you to access the collective intelligence that is actually in you. Jesus said that the most important commandment was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's almost like there's a community, there's a collective intelligence that is in yourself, your individual self. So ask yourself some very important questions. I've been trying this out lately. Ask yourself some questions because these questions can be a form of a, a, form of a prayer. What, what is my soul telling me I need? Like in the deepest part of myself, what is my soul saying I need? What are my feelings telling me I need? What is my body telling me I need right now? Because God can speak through the deepest part of yourself. God can speak through your feelings. God can speak through your emotions. God can speak to you through your physical body. What is God telling you through those things that you need? Access the collective intelligence that is in your own self, right? And think about this community. Let's access the collective intelligence. Like the Israelites just panicked and they're like, Moses, you got to give us water to drink. They didn't come together. 
what would it be like for us to access the collective intelligence that is here right now in this room? So what are your dreams? What is God telling you? As you think about Renew Community, what's it going to look like in the next year? What's it going to look like in the next two years? How is God going to continue to work in us? We say we're a community that follows Jesus to renew lives that renew the world. How is God going to do that? Make them big. Because if they're big enough, then God can show up and show off. If it's just something that we can just accomplish, well, then that's just us. Think about it. Dream about it. And I want you to write those down. And I want you to maybe slip me a piece of paper with it on there. Or send me an email. Or give me a phone call. Or send Emily an email. Or, or talk to any one of the focus team. Because I believe that we have wandering faith. And I believe that the collective intelligence here in this room... Oh, I, I believe there's a wealth of awesomeness just waiting to be accessed if only we're disciplined enough to do it. So what do you think? And I believe that when we show wandering faith, and I believe you believe it too, God will show up and water will start flowing like we've never seen before. Will you do that for me? Will you dream some dreams? Will you see some visions? And will you let me know about it? Will you, ac- will you actually show your wandering faith? Please do. I'd love to hear from you. Let's pray. God, thank you.